0: Welcome to the Legacy Podcast. The Legacy Podcast exists to cultivate and encourage healthy families by highlighting the necessary, beautiful, and functional role that the local church plays in the family unit. A major emphasis of the Legacy Podcast is to encourage generational discipleship in order for the spiritual health of our churches to long outlive the physical health of our church members therefore, we want to leave a legacy of biblical faithfulness. Welcome back to the Legacy Podcast. This is episode four. We've been on a journey so far trying to discover an ecclesiological approach to family ministry. And in our uh, first episode, we discussed what family ministry is, uh, how it is, uh, in my view, an overarching ministerial posture of the entire church that is focused on generational discipleship so that we can leave a legacy of biblical faithfulness for generations to come. In our second episode, we discussed what the church is and what it is that makes a church healthy. In our last episode, episode three, we talked about uh, what a family is and what it is that makes a family healthy, and that was somewhat tricky given the the cultural landscape that we are in today. But now, here we are, we've come to the place to determine what is the relationship between healthy families and a healthy church? That's the question that we're asking today. And, And so just to recap, here's what a healthy church is. A healthy church is a group of people who have together made a covenant that they would teach the word to and genuinely love one another. Right, so they, they teach the word and they love the people. Right? We came up with that. We, we decided upon that very brief summary of what a healthy church ought to look like. They ought to teach the word and they ought to love the people. A healthy family is a unit composed of a caregiver or caregivers who takes on the responsibility to pursue health in all areas of life for both themselves and for their dependents. The dependents, in turn, joyfully and willingly submit To the leadership of their caregivers. So these are our two basic understandings, right? We have the understanding of the healthy church and we have the understanding of the healthy family. And if these two basic understandings are true, which for the purpose of this exercise, we will assume that they are true, uh, then to what degree do the two of these entities interplay? Can you be a healthy church without healthy families can you lead a healthy family without being part of a healthy church these are all important questions to be asking of our families of our churches but just as important as asking the questions right, is the difficult task of answering them right that's what the purpose of questions for sure they get our our minds thinking but if we don't ever come up with an answer then it's kind of a pointless endeavor so we're going to embark on trying to answer those questions. So first we address the question of interplay. How do the two, um, how does a healthy church and how does a healthy family interplay? What's the relationship there? Well I would say that a healthy church and a healthy family are not two mutually exclusive entities. Rather they depend upon each other to function in the way that God has designed them to function. Providing more depth to, to answering this question requires that we answer the other questions as well. Can you be a healthy church without healthy families? Well, for me, I'd say that the simple answer is no. You cannot. You cannot be a healthy church if you don't have any healthy families. And some might argue with that, right? Because there are, there are many churches across the United States, and I'm sure over uh, all across the world, Many churches that do not have many families at all, right? Not families that fit in the category of our definition of at least one caregiver and at least one dependent. There are many churches who don't have many of those families, but those churches are composed of oftentimes older adults with no children, no grandchildren who attend that church. But if they teach the word and they love the people well, a case could be made that they're a healthy church, right? But I would like to remind us all of the necessity of stewardship, right? And that's an idea that we hinted at a little bit in our previous episode, but here I kind of want to focus in on stewardship a little bit more. So why do we pursue physical health, for example? Well, we pursue physical health so that we can live longer, more fruitful lives for the sake of gospel proclamation, correct? I think mean, that is the, the right Christian answer to the question, so longevity in ministry is a motivation for why we pursue health right we want to be here a while we got work to do and so i would argue that a church where the average age is 75 with no young couples and no little ones that's a church that is not setting themselves up for longevity in ministry what's the point in having a quote unquote healthy church if it dies when its members die The purpose of stewardship in the church and in the family is so that we leave behind a legacy of biblical faithfulness for the generation after us to walk in. And if your church is not full of or attracting and or keeping families, then your church will die with you, and that is not a healthy church. Essentially, what we are saying is that in order for your church to be healthy, you need to be a multi-generational church. The spiritual health of your church must outlive the physical health of its members, and and you might remember that that's a line that is in the introduction to these podcasts right we want the the spiritual health of our churches to long outlive the physical health of its members and that's why generational discipleship is so important it's not merely about adults it's about our children our grandchildren our great-grandchildren etc like it's about leaving a legacy And so how will we do all that we can to leave a legacy for generations to come if our church has no generations to come? (laughs) If our average age is 75 and there are no young people in the church, the church will die with its members. And that is not a healthy church. But I think I made my point here, so I'll digress. You cannot have a healthy church if you do not have healthy families. That's been established. But now we look to answer the question of can you lead a healthy family without being a part of a healthy church? The simple answer to this one is also no. You cannot. you cannot lead a healthy family if you're not a part of a healthy church. But here's where a lot of people get confused. You see, in the laziness of our culture, many parents think that attending church on Sundays and dropping their kids off for a Wednesday night service means that they are a healthy family. that's wrong in fact i would say that a church that allows for such a thing is not functioning as a healthy church at all because that church is actually failing to love its people a church that is set up in such a way where parents can drop their kids off and expect them to receive all the discipling they need for the week during those 90 minutes on a wednesday night is a church that has set itself up to have a very very short legacy but back to the family In order for a family to be healthy, they need to regularly place themselves under the preaching of God's Word, they need to be committed to other church members, uh, and they need to model their family after the church. And this places a lot of responsibility on the church to set the proper example for the family. But that's an image that uh, Scripture often utilizes, uh, how we are God's children, how we are Uh, his family as the church. And so the church ought to paint a picture of what the family should look like. And whether they know it or not, the health of the family often resembles the health of the church. And the church family should see what it looks like to be committed to one another, united with one another, and considerate towards one another. And if the family doesn't see those things in its church family, then how are they going to know what it looks like to be a healthy family in their home? Also, if the church doesn't prioritize the teaching of God's word, then how will the family know to prioritize the teaching of God's word to their children and to themselves? If the church doesn't model what healthy discipline looks like, how will parents know what healthy discipline looks like for their kids? I mean, the list could just go on and on. But the point I'm making is that the healthy church, as a collective family, as the family of God, the, health, the the healthy church sets the standard for what individual families ought to look like. So, how do we condense all of this material in order to state what the relationship between healthy families and a healthy church is? We could say that the relationship is one of codependence. A church cannot be healthy if it does not have healthy families. A family cannot be healthy if it is not part of a healthy local church. And therefore, the two are codependent. And since they are codependent, as Christians, we ought to prioritize them both. We ought to prioritize the church as our family, and we ought to prioritize our families as part of God's larger church. If the relationship between the family and the church is one of codependence, right? neither can be healthy without the other, where does that leave us as God's children? Where, what is the next right step for us to, to take? Well, again, as one of the primary emphases of this podcast is to emphasize the importance of generational discipleship. The local church plays a huge role in that, and obviously the family plays a, a huge role in that. But to close out this episode, I want to direct, and in Deuteronomy chapters five and six, in chapter five Moses lays out the the ten commandments that the Lord has given him, and then in chapter six we have the Shema, right, it is what is referred to in Hebrew. But in these two chapters. I've recently noticed something that I that I hadn't noticed before, and it's caught my attention, and I want to just kind of point out those things to you. But starting in chapter 5, verse 9 of Deuteronomy, it says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. I'm talking about idols. Uh, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me, and keep my commandments. You jump ahead to uh, verse 13 and 14. It says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Verse 14. But the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, male servants, female servants, all your animals, sojourners. In verse 16, it gives a command honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that you. "...that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you." And so those are in the Ten Commandments later on in that chapter after he's um, given the Ten. In verse 29, well, let's back up to verse 28. In verse 28 he says, "...and the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of the people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken." verse 29 oh that they had such a heart as this always so he's talking about the, the the people of israel have devoted themselves to obeying the ten commandments right they they have this heart of obedience here and the lord is saying oh that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever and then you jump down to chapter six and you hear Verse six, he says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So all of those snippets that I've just highlighted from Deuteronomy five and six each of them had generational implications. Right? First of all, it says that the, the Lord visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Then it says he shows steadfast love to thousands of those who keep my commandments. And then um, neither your son nor your daughter should work on the Sabbath day. Well, how are they going to know not to work on the Sabbath day? Well, the, the parents have to teach them. We have the clear command to honor father and mother. There's a command to children. He had wished they would have a heart of obedience always, that it might go well with them and their descendants forever. Theology, teach God to our children, teach Scripture to our children, and not merely just sit them down and have a lesson, but to to have uh, an emphasis on God and on Scripture when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, it should be a normal conversation. It should be a constant conversation that we're having in our homes. And so I wanted to draw our attention here to these two chapters in Deuteronomy because of the heavy uh, implications that it lays out for parents and for generations to come. All right, One specifically, um, the Lord says that He wishes that they would have had a heart of obedience always so that it might go well with them and their descendants forever. That ought to be our verse that we're championing as the church. That ought to be our aim as the church to have hearts of obedience, to fear the Lord and to keep all of His commandments so that it might go well with ourselves, but also for our descendants forever, for generations to come. If we set the example now of biblical faithfulness, then the Lord will use that in generations to come. If we as families, if we as churches, as church members, if we um, commit ourselves to striving for health, both in the family and in the church, then we are going to see God's favor in that. We are going to see, we personally might not see it, but the generations to come are going to see His faithfulness, and there's going to be a legacy left of biblical faithfulness because We have devoted ourselves to this thing called generational discipleship. And as we move forward, I want to talk more about what generational discipleship looks like. How does does that work? Who disciples who? It It can take a lot of forms, but I just want to encourage us now to see the importance of it and the need for it. Because it's what God uses to further that legacy of faithfulness. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Austin Reagan, and this is The Legacy Podcast.